Hey Maniacs. Hey Maniacs. It's a remix. You really went for it, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> Episode 186 is a remix of Father Brown, season number one, episode five, The Eye of Apollo, or our episode name, Oh, Susanna, Won't You Join My Cult? <laughs> oh, Susanna, Won't You Join My Cult? But we got some uh, bridgeness to deal with before this, have, before this happens. The biggest news of the week, of course, new... Midsummer season 24 is upon us. Episode one drops on Acorn TV December 4th. The devil's work. The demise of the Shirewell patriarch sparks a vicious inheritance dispute when eldest son Lucian, what a great name, Mm -hmm. announces plans to break up an estate that has been in his family for centuries. Oh, he's not going to survive. Lucian Shirewell. Yeah. Oh, they're going old school with the good names. Yep. Yep, I hope it's all creepy. And uh, so our plan is this. We drop the second remix on the 4th of December. So that's the day of the new Midsummers. Mm -hmm. Later that week, we will have a mini for you. I'm not sure when. A mini episode on the It'll take us a couple of days from when it's released. Yep, on the devil's work. So that mini will be something you you listen to before you watch it. So you can watch like a maniac and it won't have any spoilers in it. Won't have any spoilers. But it will will be more fun to watch it if you listen to the mini first. I know it's hard to wait a couple of days. We'll we'll put out the mini as quickly as we can. Or you can watch it again. You can watch it again. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the month of December and January, we will have the schedule out for you when we release that mini and tell you what that schedule is. Yeah. We'll make a mini for all of the new episodes of season 24. Yep. And then when that's all done, we will come back and do full episodes on those new episodes. And then return to Father Brown. Yeah. yeah. So, that's the rough schedule anyway. Rough. We're so, not doing a Christmas song. No. You're getting minis and maxi episodes. Of we're going to be doing twice as many episodes in December. That's probably enough for us. I Merry think. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We lost Joss Ackland. Oh, Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad. Vixen's Run. He's the patriarch in Vixen's Run. Season nine, episode three, a fantastic episode. When do you remember the first time you saw him or heard him? Oh, I don't know. He's he was in so many things. So many things. It has to be for me, Three Musketeers. He plays one of the dads in Three Musketeers. Yeah. The Michael York Three Musketeers with Oliver Reed in it and Raquel Welch. Really, if you understand anything about me, that is my childhood. (laughs) And that movie is so fantastic. It has uh, Spike Milligan as as the homeowner in one of the scenes. I don't know what role I first saw him in, but my two favorite roles that Joss Ackland played were Freddy in yep. Vixen's Run. He's just, when he's eating that roast, yeah. it, he's just so good. He's so yeah. gross on purpose. And he played Mustroom Ridcully, who's the arch-chancellor of the Unseen University in Hogfather, which is a Terry Pratchett book made into a made-for-TV movie. And he was perfect as Ridcully, if you're a Pratchett fan. Yep, absolutely. Many people forget that he was the Black Rabbit in Watership Down. If you watch that movie again, you're like, oh, these rabbits are depressing. And wow, Black Rabbit is really depressing. Yeah. So, uh, And he's also in The Mighty Ducks. 
He was in a lot of yes, things. Yes, he was a busy boy. 95. What a life. Yeah. What an absolute Just incredible. Fantastic life. Go watch a Joss Ackland movie or watch the Vixens Run again. Speaking of movies, we watched we watched A Haunting in Venice this week. Yes, the new Kenneth Branagh Agatha Christie adaptation of a Halloween Party, which liberal <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> it's loosely based yes. on a Halloween party. It's unfortunate that this We're not hap- going to spoil it for you, this by the way. This takes place in 1947. Uh, for um, In Venice. 1947 Venice. And I kept asking Sarah, weren't these people fascists 18 <laughs> months ago? <laughs> <laughs> it's just recovering fascists in the background. What were we thinking? What were we thinking? A mini review for us was I really liked the first 45 minutes. I thought it was atmospheric and it had some great ma- magic lantern things in it. And then it ooh, takes a turn that I did not like. I'm just going to say, if you liked the other Kenneth Branagh Poirots, you'll like this one. Oh, I think so, yes. But don't watch it comparing it to anything Agatha Christie ever wrote. No. If you do that, you'll be dissatisfied. No. But if you just go into it blind and just say, this guy just happens to be called Poirot and he has a mustache and set everything else aside, you can sort of enjoy. It's beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. I give it a 10 out of 10 for the sets, the lighting, the camera work. It's it's gorgeous. It looks like it's actually filmed in Venice unlike Murder on the Nile that was a bit CGI. Yeah. Plot-wise, I give it like a 3 out of 10. It takes a turn that we both didn't like. We're not going to spoil it for you, but... The other thing we did while we were watching that was I was on the gram, the Instagram, on our broadcast channel, and I was (laughs) live tweeting, well, live messaging as we watched that. Yeah, yeah. And quite a few Which we didn't announce we were no. going to do or anything. You just thought you'd give it a shot. Just thought I'd give it a shot. Have some fun with it. And then we asked people if they would like us to do this more and how they would like us to do it. And overwhelmingly, people would like us to do it more, but we should announce what we're going to do. And, and everybody could do it together. Everyone can do it together. And what we'll do is post when we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And what channels you can find what we're doing it on. Yeah. Now, so we're, not gonna- we're talking about a live viewing party of some mystery show yep. where everybody can watch it together and comment and see what everybody else is talking about, like a big chat room alongside a viewing party. We don't know what technology is going to work best for everybody to do it. But enough people said they want us to do it that we think that it's a good idea. And so we're investigating. Yep. If you listen to another podcast that does viewing parties and you like how they do it, let us know. Because yes, definitely. I listen to a couple that do it and they always do it on Discord, but we don't really use Discord with our, yeah, with we our don't community. Have- I just find Discord kind of loud and yeah, it's, it's very discombobulating. Loud. Yes. Um, but if that's the right place to do it, if that's what people tell us, we'll give it a shot. Otherwise, we're so we're looking around to see what platform would be best. And if you have a recommendation, let us know. Otherwise, we're going to keep investigating and maybe try to do this before the end of the year. And we're not going to do the mid the new midsummer. No, 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 no. no. It'll be something be, that, that everybody is, has access to. That is to. older, that is easily accessible, that it's available yeah. to everybody. So this episode is number 5 
uh, of season one, The Eye of Apollo. And I re- I watched the episode again this week and re-listened to the our episode. Mm-hmm. And we, we dropped the ball on something. We well, did? We, we dropped the box on something. <laughs> what? At the beginning, there's a box that they're loading into the the mansion. Right. So it starts with the cult is moving, yes. right? And they're moving into this big country mansion. Estate. Estate, yes. yes. And, and there's a big crate that they bring off of a truck. They never say what's in the crate. And then we kind of mention it, but we don't say what's in the crate. I think I think I think I know. What what do you think is in the crate? It's it's all the cult robes. It's a big box though, isn't it? Like four Ooh. by four? Four yeah. feet by four feet? It's really heavy too. It takes a couple of guys to move. Oh, I know what it is. What is it? (laughs) I think I know exactly what it is. Okay. What is it, Sarah? I think it's their monthly cult crate. Oh! Your monthly delivery of all your cult needs. You know, you get... Bark box and snack crate. And oh, okay. All those things. This yeah. is this is cult crate. It so would make sense that it's big. What would come in cult crate? All of your occult needs. Like what? Art supplies. They do do a lot of painting <laughs> in this episode. They gotta have art supplies. Come on. Everybody's like, paint a sun, paint a sun. Yep. Probably stencils for circles. I would I, think I, for, I would for think the so. for the suns. Yeah. Robes, like you mentioned. Yep. You know, you'd need a monthly shipment of robes. They get dirty, they get stabbed or whatever you know um, thrown out a window brainwashing paraphernalia they yes. probably need that yes bad cello players oh yes the oh, wow <laughs> the cello players you just open episode. the box and there's a bad cello yeah. player inside <laughs> and then you know like when you get um, a monthly subscription to something like that where you get like a box of of mystery things sometimes they put in like a bonus item so the bonus items in your cult crate could be things like Kool-Aid in oh, bulk. Oh, <laughs> wow. You went there. Yeah. Or it's flavored, really, but, you know. Or it could be um, a lot of duct tape. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> or a list of cult-friendly attorneys. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things that yep. your modern cult leader, leader needs. So it's their monthly cult box. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. it's cult crate. The cult crate. We should subscribe to cult crate. We you should never know. They're not a sponsor of our show. No, <laughs> that's what I think is in the box. <laughs> anyway, we've yapped enough. This is episode one thirty eight, Father Brown, season one, episode five, Eye of Apollo. Oh, Susanna, won't you join my cult? Originally broadcast on the September nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Stay tuned to the end for some extra stuff. It's Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the British mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of a show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies. Oh, there's loonies here. And everything else we love. This week we're covering Father Brown. Season 1, Episode 5, The Eye of Apollo. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And if your kids can join a sun-worshipping cult, they can listen to this podcast. I don't think there are any kids in this cult. I didn't see any little kids there. No, there's no kids. There's This show is much like Midsummer, is decidedly without children. Yeah. I mean, there are some episodes of Father Brown where there are kids, but they're probably 
they are just as rare as they are in Midsummer. Yeah. Father Brown episode two. Well, it's our second. Yes. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Sorry. This is our second episode. It was shown on the 18th of January. They showed all 10 episodes of Father Brown in three weeks. Wow. When they first came out. It was like a Father like, Brown Blitz. Father Brown Blitz directed. Extravagance of Father Brown. Matt Carter. And also this was like the pilot written by Tashin Gunder. Before we get into the episode, let's talk briefly about the original story. Because it's really different from the screenplay that they wrote for this. The story is very different. And I think the difference is interesting. Yes. In the story, I haven't read the story, but I know the original 74 version of the show. It follows the story very closely. Okay. I have read the story. Father Brown and Flambeau. Yes, Flambeau, the jewel thief. Now, wait a minute. Some people listening have not watched any other Father Browns than these two. Okay. okay. So Flambeau is a former jewel thief who becomes a PI and is a friend of Father Brown in the stories... And in the 70s version of the show. Not in this version of the show. Flambeau's a very different character who I love. In this version, in the, the 2013 show, he is a rascal and he is on the run all the time from the police. He's an international jewel thief of mystery and romance. Yes. In the stories and in the 74 show, that life is past Flynn. Yeah. So he takes an office in a high rise building and a cult moves in to the same building and two sisters who run a secretarial office in the same building. One of them becomes entranced with the cult, the Eye of Apollo, and the other one doesn't. And the one who does ends up dying by falling down an elevator shaft. And the cult is really based on staring at the sun. Yeah. So the the whole idea of the original cult is that if you are truly holy and healed and whole and special, you can stare into the sun with no ill effects. That's why. it's It's like snake handling. It's like a test. That's why it's called the Eye of Apollo and why in this episode there's no mention of eyes at all. (laughs) Except it's called the Eye of Apollo. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it's just the Church of Apollo, right? Yes. It's an interesting difference because... I think the screenwriters this time, they had to change a lot because they've got to move it into Kemblford. Yes. Right? So it's got to be in a village and they need somebody close to the story to be a potential victim of the cult. Yes. So Susie ends up falling into the cult for for a very short period of time. And it's just a, it's, it's a key difference. And in the... Original in the 70s version, Kalon, who leads the cult, is a full-blown charlatan. He does not believe in the cult. He knows it's all a fib the whole time. He's never a true believer of his his own stuff. At the end of it, he stares into the sun long enough. That he falls off a building. That he falls off a building. (laughs) (laughs) I think. By the way, just as a little safety note. Staring into the sun is never a good idea, okay? If there's an eclipse, wear the special glasses, all right? Nobody yeah. is safe from that. So that's a big difference. We got that out of the way. Yes. We're good. We're good. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this episode. Okay. Could they have been more stereotypically mysterious about a cult moving into Kimbleford? At the beginning. It's a dark and stormy night. It's dark and stormy. There's lightning. There's people in cloaks with hoods. There's fire. And a box that says Church of Apollo. Yes. Like, what's in the box? What's in the box? At first, I thought Kalon was in the box. That'd be pretty impressive. It like, would be. If they carried him around like Dracula in a box like that. But it's not. It's just their stuff, I guess. And Father Brown, <laughs> like Midsummer, does 
is the whole the whole idea that we'll flirt with the idea that supernatural exists, but then place you clearly in rationality at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. If Kalon had been a vampire, it would have been shown that he wasn't actually a vampire. He just thought he was. Yeah. But he was wrong. Yes. He was faking it. Poor Susie. She's a refugee. She has to deal with Mrs. M all the time. And her hut catches on fire. Lost her parents. She lost her parents and then she almost lost their photos. Yeah. What knocks over the lamp in her hut? The wind. Kalon. <laughs> the did, wind of Kalon. He did just whisk into town, you know, in the dead of night yep. and, and move into a country estate. So maybe he has Dracula-like powers elsewhere in the village. Things are knocking over. I Don't fall asleep with a, with a lantern lit next to yeah. your bed. That's a good rule of thumb. Open fire or well, fire of any type and sleep don't go together. Don't do that. You are chosen. Are you lonely, empty, or lost? They moved into town the night before under the cover of darkness. And yet everybody already has the pamphlet. When did they go around putting out the pamphlets? In the, in the middle of the night? I, lo- I love Mrs. M. They're Satanists. <laughs> she has these little outbursts of, like, super dark stuff. Like, what's wrong with you, old woman? Well, it, it's... Like the- an unflushed toilet. Yeah. Like Satanists <laughs> moving into a country estate. <laughs> Get to your chores. She's so mean. Look, little lady. I'm doing it. I'm cleaning up. Shut up. One of the great things in life is when people say they're fine and they're not actually fine and everybody knows they're not fine. But it's sometimes hard to do in shows. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job of it here. Yeah. Because if you're an actor, acting like you're fine, acting like you're not fine, it's like double acting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like actors who are good at playing a character who's a bad liar. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's tough. It's the, tough. This is our first dealing with Sid. Sid! Right? Yes! I love Sid so much. Sid Carter, who, if, if, if you've only watched the episodes that we're talking about, you've missed kind of Sid's introduction in a, a previous episode. Yes. But he is a man about town. He's a young man. He's very independent. I think he lives in a little trailer on a, in a yes. farm field. He doesn't have a whole lot of backstory, but he knows a little bit about everything. He is Lady Felicia's driver in yep. many of the episodes. So he puts on the chauffeur's uniform and drives her around. He is an unreliable, reliable person. But he's the guy with lots of jobs. He's All always the jobs. doing... He's entrepreneurial. Yes. Today he's going around fixing people's electrics because of the storm surge and Kalon's influence on the electrical grid, apparently. Jack of all trades. (laughs) Oh, he's always scheming for a buck or a free pint. Or, yeah. There's many episodes where he convinces Father Brown to go down to the pub and have a pint. And not a young lady goes by that he doesn't have a look at. But they look at him, too. Oh, yeah. I, I like him so much. He's yes. so fun. But he's also, he's a loyal person. He's a good person. Yep. You know, like if he found a $5 bill on the street, he would look for who owns it, but not very hard. Well, not to fast forward <laughs> to the end, but at the end, he is like Father Brown heroic. Yeah. He's definitely doing Absolutely. doing the right thing. So the... the Boy, apo- that's a lot of canvases of the same thing. <sighs> My notes say, I thought the sun canvases were the result of the most boring painting class ever (laughs) until I noticed that they were ever so slightly different from one another and accompanied by the worst cello painting playing ever. Okay, that woman was introduced to the cello today. Yes. 
Just drag the bow across it real slow. And don't fret anything. And then go the other way real slow. Which is hard to do, okay? Playing a bowed instrument is a difficult thing, right? But 10 minutes of it, you can usually make some sound. But she actively doesn't touch the frets. I think they said to her, this is a really expensive cello. Don't break it. I just kept thinking, what a hassle to wear an ankle length dress and have to get your legs around a cello. Yeah. (laughs) Can't be easy. But the, the pictures, they're identical, except the sun is a little bit up. A little bit up in the sky. Yeah. Like that's that's all they're there for. Like if you've never seen the sun rise, yeah. this is what it looks like. But maybe later they put them in a different order and it's going down. <laughs> what if they were in a completely random order? Oh, oh the sun's it's up, jumpy it's down, sun. it's up, it's down. <laughs> it's jumpy sun. What is this thing anyway? Is this a uh, a recruitment drive thing here going on? I think it's a combination recruitment drive and we are here in your village. Let us introduce ourselves to you before too many rumors are about about who we are. Okay. Which is smart. Headed off at the pass, you know, make, like, make sure everybody knows you're not like gun-toting loonies. Yes. Living in the, the, the Lord's estate down the road. And we, and we want to, okay, let's just say this off the top. If you're a gun-toting loony, we're not making fun of you. Yes, we are. Okay, we are. <laughs> But I'm not worried about offending gun-toting loonies. Just don't come to my house. I don't if, care. If you're a member of the Church of Apollo, <laughs> we're here to help you. If you're a member of the Church of the Candy Candy Corn Megaphone, yeah. we can help you get out of it. So That symbol is a candy corn megaphone. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That's what it is. We're going to get there. <laughs> But it's everywhere. It's on the little flyers. It's on all their robes. Yeah. Like, where can we put the candy corn megaphone? We're going to put it there. Okay. All the time that this is happening, I'm looking at where they are. It's a beautiful estate. Yes. So it's the Sudali castles and gardens in the Cotswolds. Oh, okay. A couple of things of interest here. They do archaeological digs as tours. Oh, that sounds like fun. fun. You could could, go be a time team person. And they're not like pretending to bury stuff and let you find it. (laughs) Do you remember those toys that the kids used to get as kids? That was like a block of sand with a plastic fossil in the middle. It made such a big mess. Look, I'm a paleontologist. No, you're making a mess. But what I want to go to is they have these animals that are hedgerows hedges topiary kind of it's hard to tell what they are well they're bushes yeah they're shaped like animals yep that's a topiary they have like rhinoceroses and giant hedgehogs and that's incredible they're super cool looking that's so difficult to do i'll post some pictures that shows such a level of dedication. Well, and there's a really beautiful, like, it's not, I don't know if it's a hedge maze because it's only about knee high. It may just be a really ornate, like, like not work hedge, but it's beautiful but right have, by the water fountain. They have all these incredibly gorgeous animal sculptures. So we're, yeah. we're not supposed to believe that Dominique, the lady of the cult, owns this place, right? No. Like, the, like they're renting it, they're leasing they're it, like but it's her money renting. that's paying for it. But what I noticed Where was, were they before they moved in there? I, somewhere with those other two ladies. Okay. <laughs> the other thing I noticed is there are ruins here. Mm. So 
whenever I see a ruined church in England, I'm thinking dissolution. Yeah. Henry VIII did that. It's yeah. his fault. So, so there is some, there there is royalty attached to this place in that there's, especially um, Richard III, there's references to him mm-hmm. here. But I thought it was interesting that there was a Catholic at a cult activity in a disillusioned church. They were trying to do something there. I, I don't think you could be a Catholic in England and not occasionally end up someplace where it was where a monastery was dissolved. What's what's the past tense of dissolution? Dissolution. <laughs> where it was dissolved. <laughs> where it was destroyed <laughs> by Henry VIII. Also, the the thing I don't like about this cult, both here and in in the uh, original um, in the original, is my British cults are come in two flavors. They come in uh, the the crazy Satanist big parties in the mansion cult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, uh, what's his name? Bald guy. Aleister Crowley. Like, that's one type of cult. Mm-hmm. The second type of cult is the people who put you in wicker men and yes, are the pagan, pagans. Yeah. Those are those are the British not, cults. Not just pagans. Not regular pagans. Not regular Culty pagans. pagans. Culty We're talking p- about... A diff- they're not real. If you're a regular pagan. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. But if about. you put people in wicker men and burn them. And that's not that's, fine. It's not fine. That's bad. But, but that's, pagans don't do that's that. That's English cults to me. Yeah. And, and this is a bit of an American cult. You think so? Yeah. It's a bit of a Western cult to me. Hmm. Well, where do you think England is? Well. <laughs> know what you mean yes it's got more of an american flavor to it because it's so lame like it's based on this this concept that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense yes kalon's robes are much nicer did you notice how much nicer they are than everybody? they are robes that would be made for a cardinal yeah they're super nice. that's what they are and then they've embroidered their candy corn megaphone on them and he explains his story. And then he does some great cold reading on Susie, which includes, do you feel the warmth of your parents sitting here in the sun? Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly. <laughs> what would they do if they were holding an event like this and it was totally overcast? Yeah. <laughs> do they have like a lamp that they call the sun that they just wheel out or pretend the sun is out and you're looking at it? But I'm different than your religion. I have proof. No, you don't. No. <laughs> no. You approve that in 93 m- million miles, the sun's heat doesn't dissipate. That's the proof that you have. Yeah. Kalon had this vision when he was shot in the head by a sniper during the war, right? And he should have died. If a bullet goes through your head in one side and out should've, the other. Should have died. You should have died. But on a rare occasion, people do get that kind of injury and not die. There was a dude who got like a piece of metal rebar through his head and lived. Yeah, there's a whole bunch he of. He was wackadoodle there's afterwards, a, there's but he a lived. whole <laughs> line of scientific inquiry, which is. Oh, you had something really bad happen to your head? Can we test you now? Yeah, and you lived? Let's figure you out. He got shot, and then afterwards he says he got a vision, yes. right? And the ancients, I don't know who the ancients are. They're the old ones. Oh, do they live in the sun? Yeah, I guess. They like hot stuff, huh? I guess. They're, they should have chili peppers as their symbol Maybe. then. Or a sun. I don't know. Why not a sun? In the in the original show, it, it is a sun that his symbol is. It's not the candy corn megaphone? No, it's oh, a okay. sun. But that's that's when he had his big revelation and, and started the church. At this point, if this is 53, then we can assume that it's been about 10 years, but he spent a 
maybe a year or so in recovery, maybe. And so then he started the cult. He's got his cold reading really done well. And he, what Father Brown calls Barnum statements, he talks about vaguer, vague things. Everybody has you miss parents. Your parents. She's yeah. clearly a refugee. She's got an accent. Yeah. So, and she's sentimental about her parents because what they used to call her you versus feel what like people you're call missing you. your old home. Yeah. Like, like who wouldn't? Of like, course. that's why he asked her her name. Yeah. Zuzana. Zuzana. Oh, Zuzana. Don't oh. you cry for me. <laughs> <laughs> and Father Brown has him all figured out. So let's talk about Dominique. Yes. She of the cello. She's my astral partner. Am I your astral partner? No, you're my wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm not your partner in the sun. No, mm. you're my wife. They have a symbiosis of souls. Yes. Which. It's so much more than wife. I don't think they're actually married. I don't think they're actually married either. And basically it's, uh, we have a symbiosis because she's got lots of money. Yeah. And I want the money. So <laughs> we. <laughs> We have to separate here because Kalon is a man who was injured, mm -hmm. has mental difficulties because of that, mm -hmm. and has visions and starts a religion. That is one throughput. Yeah. And I he think is, he's sincere about that. I think he really does think that he had some kind of out-of-body enlightened experience. At the same time, mm -hmm. he is a greedy lech. Yes. Who likes to take pictures of girls. Yes. In the same place. He's just capturing their essence, Mark. Oh. Think that would fly in court? No. <laughs> but Dominique had her husband and her sons die in the war. Yeah. So she's clearly a vulnerable woman with a yeah. lot of resources, and he took advantage of that. Yes, he clearly did. And has since taken advantage of some other girls who have come into the cult and I'm she knows all about for your, it. I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for your daughters. They greet the sun every morning. Yes. So, so they, like they, yoga. They, they must have an almanac. Maybe. So they can see when it's going to come up. This will really suck in the wintertime. <laughs> it's never the wintertime in, in the Cotswolds. Have you ever heard the term verbal satiation? Sort of, yeah. When you like write the same word over and over and over again and it stops meaning anything mm -hmm. to you, that's how the we greet thee thing hits me. Yeah. The first time they say it, it's, it's we greet thee. Like, hello, son, we're greeting you. We greet thee. But then every time they say it after that, it loses a bit more meaning. And then it just becomes we greet thee. We greet thee. We greet thee. Yep. It's such a strange thing to say over and over again. And it's it not is, even easy to say. And clearly it's kind of a reference to yoga and yeah. the easternness of some of these cults and things like that. What not that yoga is bad or no, no, that no. eastern religions are bad, but they certainly take those They're things. taking inspiration from yeah. those things. So if you, if you were going to have a cult and part of it was the sun and you had to wake up in the morning and say hello to the sun, what would your phrase be? What would you have people chanting as the sun came up? Get the hell out of bed. <laughs> time Look. to get up. Time to get up. Time to get up. Time to get up. Sarah, it's time to get up. <laughs> All of your followers would say, Sarah, it's time to get up. Yeah, kind of. Oh, so you're going to form a cult just to wake me up in the morning. That's kind of cool. Except I don't want all those people in our room. No. No. <laughs> for, for the new listener, I am a morning person. Who leaps out of bed. Oh, yeah. You're like, hey, time to get up. Yay. Feet on the ground. Woo. Sarah is not. I get there. <laughs> yep. Pretty quickly. I've turned you into a morning I person. I like being up in the morning. Yep. I, it just takes me a few minutes to get there. And you wake up and 
You're on. Well, it's Sunday. We slept in until 545 <laughs> this morning. <laughs> We're nuts. I get up earlier on the weekends because I'm more excited to do the stuff that I want to do versus the stuff I got to do for work. Though I have to tell you, 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm a walrus on the couch. You turn into a potato. Yeah. Speaking of potatoes, Father Brown's playing with his food, and I have in my notes, is he building the Devil's Tower? Yes, it's very much a Close Encounters of the Third Kind, kind of, he's drawing in his gravy. It's breakfast, isn't it? Yes. Why does he have gravy and veg for breakfast? I don't know. But Mrs. M cooks all of, does she cook all of his meals? I don't know. She doesn't live there. No. We know she doesn't live there. But I'm sorry, I'm not making something with homemade gravy for one person. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Especially if he's going to play with it. I, I love that um, Sid says we got, we, so, so Susie has gone to the cult, right? Yep. She's gone to check it out. And Sid's like, we got we to gotta go get her. We got to sneak in, grab her and get out. And Father Brown says, there's a word for that. And Sid goes, brilliant. He says, kidnapping. <laughs> and then they proceed to and, do then they, that exact thing. Well, they don't like throw her over their shoulders no. and carry her out. They try to persuade her to leave. Sid's just, I, I love the two of them going over the wall. Yeah. I, I just, I love that. I love Father Brown sneaking around because he knows he has a bit of protection as a priest. If he gets caught, peop, everybody in Kimbleford's going to go, oh, that's just Father Brown. That's just yeah. what he does. Like. Yeah. If he was creeping around your house, you might feel a little bit different. But, you know, he's creeping around there. If Valentine caught him doing that, he'd be like, you get out of here, Father Brown. It would be finger wagging. Wagging his finger. Yep. Yeah. Like, you naughty guy. You you know better. Angry painter is angry. Adam. Yes. Poor Adam. He's got a burned arm. Did you recognize Adam? Mm- uh, he seemed familiar, but I didn't know where I recognized him. From. Well, you should have recognized him because the other role that you've seen him in, his name is Ben Starr, uh, yeah. the actor. The other role you should know him for is in Midsummer in The Sting of Death. He plays Noah Moon. Oh, that's right. Who is another weird... Artsy guy. Culty kind of thing. That's right. That's the same actor. Yeah. He was also in that movie Eat Local. Do you remember that? Yes. With the vampires? There's vampires in a small town in England. Yeah, well, it's got Mackenzie Crook in it. It's got Annette Crosby in it. It's got Tony Curran in it. It's got Dexter Fletcher in it. I mean, everybody is in that movie. It's really good. If you haven't seen it, eat local. It's a fun, weird movie. Yeah. They do a lot of world. The vampires are the good guys. They do a lot of world building that doesn't pay off in the end. But it's fun. That is fun. It's brain candy. It's a movie that should have a sequel, but doesn't. Yeah. And he's he's been injured in the war. Adam has. And and he is. He uh, thinks that the cult's going to heal him. And he's frustrated with Kalon because he sees Kalon stepping out. Mm -hmm. And he's in love with Dominique. Mm -hmm. So he thinks that they should kind of. Get rid of Kalon, I think. But I think he's also starting to doubt the cult's power, too. I think they convinced him to join, saying that the son would heal his injuries, and he still has a limp. He's still in pain. It's not working. So not only does he does he think that Kalon is a fraud who mistreats Dominique, but he thinks that the whole cult is based on a fraud. So then Father Brown makes reference to those law thingies. Yeah. <laughs> you know... And then Dominique takes a bath with Dutch angles. So let's talk about her murder. Yeah. Because I, it's confusing to me. Okay. So 
Oh, okay. Because I really like what happens here. We haven't mentioned this, but this is a spoiler podcast. So if you've never listened before, we're about to ruin it. So if you haven't seen the episode, go watch it, come back, or we're going to spoil it for you. Okay. Okay. You've been warned. All right. So in reality, she gets whacked over the head, right? Mm. With Kalon's cane. Yep. Which has a metal ball on the end. Bonk. That would, that would hurt. But that doesn't kill her, so he dumps her out a window. Yes. Okay? It's a second-story window. Yeah, that's the problem I have with the murder. I like the part that he thinks he's killed her, and then she wakes up, and he has to think fast. Mm -hmm. I like that part. Mm -hmm. The throwing out a second-floor window doesn't work. No, and... You know, because she's so far from being dead that she can scream for help and stuff and is up and on her feet. So there's no reason to think that a little bit more damage is going to kill her. And pushing her out the window from that height onto pea gravel, which is kind of soft to land on. uh, That being said, that makes him wouldn't want any of this to happen to us. No, but I just don't think it would kill her. And I think she'd be laying on the ground going, Kalon did it. Yeah. Because she would know exactly who hit her and who pushed her. Yeah, yeah. He should have he should have done something that was a way, way more a sure thing. Yeah. You know, whacked her on the head a few more times. Or it should have been like three or four stories up. Yeah. 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 I don't I just don't think falling out that height would, would yeah. hurt would kill you. It might hurt you, but it, I don't think it would kill you. But we don't know any of that yet. All we know is there's Dutch angles and Dominique is screaming and yet Kalon is outside the door. Mm-hmm. This is the locked room mystery. Part. And once you know how he does it, it's so clear that he's doing it. Yes. He's a very good actor. His name is Michael Maloney. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's been it? in um two midsummers. He was the, he was in the Lions of Costin and Masterclass both. Remember in Masterclass yeah. he was the overbearing dad? Yes. But he he does that double fake, right? He's an actor pretending to be a character who's pretending to lie. And yet you know he does. And he goes from and if rage. You're, if you're watching him close, you can tell he's faking it at the door, pretending that it's locked. Yeah. He goes from rage to no rage really well. Oh, yeah. But he has those eyes. You yeah. can open his eyes like double wide and not yeah. blink, and they look maniacal. <laughs> so he sends Father Brown away to get the key, even though the door isn't actually yes. locked, and pretends to be like, Dominique, open the door, open the door. And Father then- Brown, like... Goes to the slowest key glancing thing. Yes. <laughs> Just uh, it, it's it's a very good um, locked room method. The it's other totally prob- believable, and you see it happen, so you know it could happen now. And you knew she was alive. Yeah, yeah. Now his office has to be a good distance away, mm-hmm. but because he needs the time. I think it, he'd have to be super fast. They moved in really quickly and they, set up everything. I think it was already furnished. I would hope so. And they just moved the trunk of stuff in. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> There's a thing in Domin- Dominique's room that I don't I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's um, weird. It's at 4117. You can see it. Yeah. You can see it in every shot of her room, but you can specifically see it in that shot. So if you if you want to scrub through and find this timestamp, it's uh, it's almost like a canopy. So it's like a, a, a fabric on like a wireframe at the top that looks sort of like an umbrella. Yes. And then it's got like a curtain that hangs down all the way around. But it's in the corner of her room. It's almost like a giant birdcage that's covered. That or it's like a, a like a changing tent. Like I if guess. you... 
uh, in Victorian era, if you went to the beach and you were going to, they, they didn't even get naked and put on their swimsuit. They already had it on. They, they would get it. They would cover up just to take like their, sh- their shirt and skirt off that was over their swimsuit because it yeah. was indecent to even take those off in front of people. Yeah. And so they would have these little changing huts and it yep. almost looks like that. Yeah, it's very weird. But I don't know why you would have that in your room. I don't understand. I don't so know. if you're listening to this and you know anything about this. Or have been to that. Let us know what man, you think it is. Yeah, that um, estate. And you'll post a picture of it? Yeah, Okay. I'll post a picture of it. So, so Susie's going to be initiated. Okay, before that, I have a question. All right. Who gets to decide whether you get last rites or not? Because mm. this woman is not a Catholic. Yeah, but I think... Um, By the way, like the the um, seal of the confession last yeah. rites is like every de- detective novel writer's dream they're like how can we get a priest over here oh yeah <laughs> how can he have an excuse to be right next to the body checking it out you know and everybody kind of steps back and leaves him to it my impression is that a priest doesn't take the chance so it can't hurt you but it might help you hmm. to do the last rites okay if you don't believe, it's not going to do anything. But if if you do, it may mean that you don't go to hell. Maybe. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Yeah. If you believe in that. I guess. Right? Valentine yeah. shows up and explains the situation as a riddle. <laughs> I like Valentine. Valentine's awesome, but he's here for expo- <laughs> exposition. He yeah. Yes. Well, and he uh, clearly is taking no shit from these cult people. You know, like... It, he doesn't even pretend to like respect what they believe in. It's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, Charlotte and whatever, you know, the yeah. lady's dead. So who did it? Right. I also like the idea that Adam is painting yet another picture of the sun. So he's painting with oranges and reds. And when he and Dominique tussle a little bit, cause she tries to kiss him, he gets paint on her. So then when she's going to, to bathe, she's rinsing the paint off, yeah. and then there's blood. So yeah. you don't know whether it's paint or blood. Yeah. And they find the paint on her, and they know it's from him, you know. And so he gets he gets framed for it. Did you notice every time Kalon arrives, there's a sound effect? No. Yes. What is it? It's like he it, when what? he comes into the room every single time he shows up, it goes. I don't believe you. Are you serious? Yeah, I'll play the How sound. How did I miss it? I'll play the sound right here. And that's every Kay- time. Almost every time he arrives. Until he's not Kalon anymore. Yeah. Like totally. while he thinks he's powerful, yeah. it happens. Yeah. But, but then it does it stop at some point? Mm, he stops entering rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so let's talk about the initiation. Yes. So Susie gets to put on um, a curtain. Yes. With some drawstrings in the armpits. Yeah. How does that work? I guess. Uh, the estate has a chapel. Yes. Which he's happy to use, even though they're not Christian. And they unveil a prism. Yes. Which is like science. Science. <laughs> I'm just thinking logistically, they have to do this in a space where the sun is going to hit that spot, right? Now, Christian churches, especially older ones, all face the same direction, Yep. okay? But the sun is not always in the exact same spot, and there may not be windows to let it in at the right angle. But this ritual relies on that. Yeah, until I knew how big this estate was, I was like, isn't the church broken up? Like, 
because you see yeah. the ruins, but no. No, they would have their own chapel. There's lots of different things yeah. in this estate. But that's in my notes it has I baptize you with prism. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's mm, it would be very difficult to time that just right and have just the right space to do it in. But it has that quality of showmanship that good fake cults have. Oh yeah. 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 But logistically it's really difficult. Yeah. I mean, if they're five minutes late, the sun may be out of line and not hit it. And then then somebody would have to be like, here's a flashlight <laughs> and shine it in the prison. And in my notes, I have that Susie should say once she's baptized that this is the end of act two. <laughs> <laughs> to put a point on it, it's the end of act two. So then we go to Valentine's room office again. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry. Where they look yeah. at Kalon's record. Yes. I trust you not to touch anything on my desk while I step out. Tap, tap, <laughs> tap. And this is it. like, I love Sid as Father Brown's sidekick. Yeah. You know, like, because if there's something that Father Brown really can't do because yeah. of who he is, Sid will do it. And if there's something that Sid shouldn't do because he would get in trouble, Father Brown will do it. And they'll act So like, they're a great pair. They'll act like each other's lookouts. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Father Brown's digging through filing cabinets that don't belong to them and Sid's on the lookout for him, yeah. you know, like they're they're just they're such a good team. So they find the clipping about Kalon being shot in the head and his real name and everything. And Why? now I'm assuming Gerald is on the run a bit here because he has a file about him. Why would they have a file like that in Kemblefort? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask is that they might have his police record because they may have requested it from where, wherever they were last. In the yeah. meantime, in the what twenty four hours or something that this yeah, all takes a, place in, it's the very timing fast. is a little fast here. Um, but why there would be a newspaper clipping in it, I don't know. Yeah, it it leads you to think that maybe he's more on the run than they're giving credit for here. But would they have a physical file? No. They wouldn't have a physical news clipping like that. No. At most, they would have like handwritten notes about it that they jotted down on the phone with somebody else, yes. right? You'd get this information from somebody else. Like a telegram. But that's not as fun as having it in the, a file yeah, in the yeah, office yeah, yeah, that yeah, Father yeah. Brown can look. Yeah. So they can see him laying in bed with the police, uh, the doctor and his stethoscope on. Yep. And Father Brown has everything all figured out now and he finds the pictures. But they break the rules. They don't let us see the picture. They don't let us see the clipping. We don't know what he knows. And that bugs me. I but, wish they, they showed us the clipping. But we don't know that part, but we know then that he's total Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And they show us the pictures of he's taken of the girls yes. in the same pose, in the same bed. Yes. Just a weird date. <laughs> I don't buy that Susie wouldn't be put off by that. Yeah, I would think that Susie would be put off. If they were photos of these girls wearing like very thin robes from the cult standing in the sun and you could see through the robe, I might buy that as an artistic yeah. photo that he also likes because he can see their bodies. Yeah. But they're lying in a bed in their negligee, their slip. Yeah. That's, I'm and not And I don't that. like the scene where she sees him taking pictures of, of Susie because it's... It's pee-pee Tommy that doesn't need to be. And he's taking a picture of the back of her head. Yeah. Ooh. I'm sure there are people who are into that, but Kalon wearing a camera around his neck. Is weird. It's sort of a giveaway. Yeah. You know, like hide it under your robes or something. No, I'm just down here in the grass taking a picture of the back of her head. <laughs> <laughs> I love the back of a bench. 
It's awesome. <laughs> so we find out that they went upstairs and were arguing, and then Kalon kills her. And Father Brown lays all of this out, mm-hmm. and he is still incredulous. He's like, Are, and you're here to arrest me? I'm like, that's not how arresting works. No. Do you do? Like, I know that your view on religion is maybe alternative, but Father Brown has no arresting authority. Kalon's big weakness here is that he didn't do his research. They should have chose a town where Father Brown didn't live. Yeah. He doesn't know about him. Yeah. And what he does. If he had, they would have gone somewhere else. Yep. They would have gone to Costin or something. And we see that... (laughs) That moment again where he says, I don't care about you being punished. I care about your soul. Well, he says, it's not my job to to seek to get justice for you, you know. And this is where Sid justice. is great because Sid recognizes that this is the end of the show mm-hmm. and recognizes this is Father Brown's stage. Mm-hmm. So he gets Susie to safety. This is a classic battle between yeah. black and white and yeah. Susie could get hurt. Yep. Because it's going to be a showdown. Yep. Cassock versus Cassock. Yes. I I love, love, love the line where Father Brown is so good. Mark Williams is so good. He like curls his lips up and kind of shows his teeth and he gets a little spitty when he gets really, really mad. Yep. He's like, there are no astral spirits. And uh, Kalon says, says the man who believes in a virgin birth. And Father Brown kind of goes, oh, he kind of got me on that one. Yeah. He's like, given, <laughs> but you're still bad. <laughs> I think he says fair. Yep. Yeah. But the face, yeah. there's he doesn't do it every episode, but man, when he does, in the in the first one, when he's facing off against the the Anglican reverend at the top of the tower, you know, yeah. it's like few things piss him off like that. But but using God as an excuse or or belief as an excuse or hiding behind God in some way, mm, that really makes him mad. Kalon's having a bad day here. <laughs> well, so d- when when Father Brown confronts him and says, what you th- what your symbol is, is the stethoscope. What you saw was a bright light as a result of a brain injury or it was a light being shown into your eyes. Yeah. You didn't have a revelation. That didn't happen. Do you think that Kalon slash Gerald knows that? Does he know that this thing that he's built is based on a misunderstanding he had because of an injury? Now, in the latest, I think it's the latest season of Father Brown, Kalon comes back. Yes, they have children of Kalon. I want to watch that episode again because I want to find out if he's repentant. He is. I think he pretends to be, but I'm not sure he actually is. Yeah, but he definitely admits that. He didn't actually get a revelation. But in this scene, when Father Brown is confronting him, do you think he's learning something from Father Brown? Like, oh my God, you're right? I think he has an epiphany of doubt. Wow, that's the deepest thing I've ever said. (laughs) Like maybe it was kind of niggling at him for a long time and now he's being confronted with it and he has to accept that that's the case. Well, if Kalon isn't anybody, he is a person who gets up when you put... It gets very upset when you point out the fallacies in his life. Yeah. So much so he kills his astral partner. Yeah. And they were in symbiosis with one another. You think that would have hurt him too? I would think so. So the the revelation and then the symbol, the symbol is the stethoscope. Yep. Right? I don't buy that. I don't either. It doesn't really look like that. Yeah. It's a stylized stethoscope. It's candy corn megaphone. So. But he gives him a hug here. 
Like that's he holds him. Yeah. That's the difference between Father Brown and detectives in other shows. That's what his priesthood does is that yeah. he does stuff like that. Yep. Like, let me hold you because you're a human and Poirot you're, is not and you're in pain. Anybody. Oh my God, no. Poirot would be like, you disgust me and walk away. Like, arrest him. Um, <laughs> Poirot <laughs> leaving, <laughs> trying to leave <laughs> the Orient Express. I have to hug you all first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I pity you because of what you've been through. Um, if, if, you were, if you had to base a cult on what you saw when you first woke up, like Kalon does, what what would it be? It would be the Church of the Alarm Clock. Mine would probably be like the the Church of the Cat Butt. Yeah, because Lucy, our cat, really does like to show me her butt the first thing I open my eyes. Sarah, it's time to get up. Cat's butt is in your face. If if you walk away and I'm not awake, she says, "Okay, I'm I'm the second line," and she goes up and like bumps her face against mine and then turns around and yep. is threatening to sit on my head and I open my eyes. So my, my call would be the cult of the cat pucker or something. <laughs> the asterisks. <laughs> and I don't want to know what the we greet thee version would be of that. Like everybody holds a cat up. We smell the, we smell. <laughs> no, you have to, you have to lift your spiritual tail <laughs> over and over wow. again. <laughs> Maybe this one's better than what mine would be. <laughs> I love how Susanna, Susanna, Zu, oh, Susanna here says, mm-hmm. I want to be alone. And Father Brown goes, can I join you? Yeah. <laughs> I let you be alone for 30 seconds. And then I followed you and sat down next to you. Yep. And once again, Mrs. M, who's been a major pain in the ass, she screams at Susie, you're so stupid. Yep. Then she says, how can she be here at this, at this open day for the cult? Her chores cannot be done. Yep. Like. She's totally so mean. She's just nasty. She treats her like a second class citizen. And then she's like, here, I made scones. Like her scones fix everything. Yeah. And plus this woman's making scones all the bloody time. Father Brown needs to be like 300 pounds or something. And then Sid is awesome. (laughs) Sid says. Word around the village is you stole the recipe. The recipe, and then Susie brings it home. Yeah. I say, oh yeah, I heard that too. And then she snatches him back. Did you see what? So uh, Mrs. M and Sid go off. Mm-hmm. Do you see what Father Brown and Susie do Mm-mm. while the it, the camera backs up and we see his umbrella and his hat? Huh. He breaks his scone in half and gives her. Oh, half. and shares it with yeah. her. That's nice. Yeah. That's who he is. He's a good person. And that is the eye of Apollo, which has no eye. (laughs) Neither does Apollo. (laughs) I just wonder the whole time, like, if you make up a religion like this, if you invent a cult, how do you decide what all the rituals are going to be, what the outfits are going to look like, what the rules are? Like, Like, do you just make them up as you go along or do you decide all that stuff in advance? Like, I don't, I don't know. (sighs) It seems complicated. Most cults tend to create, be started by a small nucleus based on one dude, usually a dude's Mm -hmm. uh, ideas. So he can spread those and indoctrinate that small nucleus. Yeah, and then they kind of evolve. Then they evolve. I just want to see the the book of rules where he's writing stuff out like, okay, you got to stare at the sun for five minutes. No, cross that out. As long as you can take it. No, cross that out. If you can stare at the sun, then you're special. Cross that out. Or like, (laughs) you know, everything goes through drafts. Like, uh, we eat the... No, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> we feed thee. No, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yo, son. No, that's no. not good. We meet thee. No, that doesn't. Cat butt. No. 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 <laughs> and where does Apollo even come into it? Like, is Apollo an ancient? I guess. Yeah, it, there's a lot more explanation. Like, Apollo is the sun god, so that's a lot better explanation in the original. Well, and Kalon is Greek. Okay. It means noble okay. or beautiful Okay, in Greek. That makes sense. So Plus, it has that great sci-fi-ness to it, which is, of course, the opposite. Sci-fi based a lot of the characters on, on stuff like that. Yeah. Right? I've got a horrible movie for you. Okay, okay. So if you want to hear it, but we, we should do after the credits first. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's four people. Okay. <laughs> there's Kalon. Yes. Jail. Jail. Dominique dead. Yes. Sid stays on and stays on. Yeah. And Adam, he who goes, goes to the hostel, goes to the hostel. That's it. That's all I don't there know is. Why Adam's there? He doesn't need to be there. No, he's just another person that Father Brown gets to be kind to. Yep. And I think it would be even better if the cult was all women. Like That it, would be too obvious, I oh, think. Oh, maybe. It'd maybe. be too, yeah. No, Adam is only there to be wrongly accused. That's yeah. that's his whole job. He's a red herring. Yep. Okay. Now are you Bad ready movie. for Lay a horrible movie? Yeah. This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. And Michael Maloney, the actor who plays Kalon, is in this film. Okay. It's from 1997. 97. Okay. The inmates of an asylum are subjected to experiments using collective consciousness and surgically implanted chips in an attempt to create perfect citizens. It's just a side. Well, okay. Is this a movie set in the future? No. Okay. No. Who's in this movie? I'm not going to tell you that yet. Okay. I'll give you another hint, though. Okay. I'll read you this bit from an IMDb review that I thought was really great. Okay. There are martial art fights, seducing sexploitation, horror elements, crazy zombies just walking around, and even modern dance theater scenes. Wow. How have I not seen this movie? The whole senseless mixture of weirdo elements cannot bring light into the darkness, but only leave the watchers confused about this very strange film that nobody really needs to see. 97. I'm yes. sure I would have seen it. I don't know. Do you submit? Do I get another hint or do I? I'm only going to give you more hints after you say you don't know what it is. Okay, I don't know. Because if I got to tell you actors. I don't know what it is. Patrick McGowan is in it. Okay. And Amanda Plummer is in it. Oh. If you can't place Amanda Plummer in your head, listeners, she was the screaming lady in Pulp Fiction. Yes. In the bank robbery. Well, sorry. She was the screaming lady. She's always the screaming lady. She's also the sister in... Uh, uh, so I Married an Axe Murderer. murderer where yeah. she screams. <laughs> a lot. And she's a crazy killer. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I don't know what this movie it's is. It's called Hysteria. Hysteria. Yeah. No, I don't know this movie. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised. Yeah. Because now you're going to watch it. <laughs> One for me. Yeah, definitely. Whoop, whoop. All I, the other actors uh, in this episode are a bit young to have made any bad choices in movies when they were younger. Though I will say I learned that um, Alex Price, who plays Sid. Yes. Uh, though he is 10 years younger than me, our birthdays are only a day apart. Oh. I like him. 
And he was on the show and then he was off the show and then he came back and he was off because he went and did theater. Well, he went to play Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, I think it's called, um, Broadway show. He can sing. Wow. And he was also Proteus and Penny Dreadful. Do you remember that? He's basically Frankenstein's monster. Yes, and Penny he was Dreadful. In Penny Dreadful. Oh, he's so good in it. But it's it broke my heart. He's so sad. He is very sad. Why have I not seen Hysteria? <laughs> Jesus, I need to watch this movie today. <laughs> so that. Dear listeners, is the Eye of Apollo. Our next Father Brown episode, our third one in this little group of episodes, is season one, episode six, The Bride of Christ, where we will see... Sister Boniface. For the first time. For perhaps. Because she was not in the train station. I don't care what you say. That's not her. We'll discuss that. Okay. To the death? No. (laughs) (laughs) To the death. Some other people have weighed in, and we will bring those things up next week when we talk about it. There was one person online who was just like, no, that's their entire comment. I agree with that person. (laughs) I was like. That person is correct. (laughs) It's not her. No. Another thing that we'll do next week besides um, a pit fight about Sister Boniface in the train station is we will tell you the watch list for October. Yes. For Halloween Spooky. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. You know, we had... uh, We're really funny people. (laughs) I laughed the whole time. Funny looking. It's it's so weird that I listen to our old episodes. Now, I was in our old episodes. I edited our old episodes. I published our old episodes. And then I re-listened to our old episodes. And I still laugh at the jokes. We're funny people. (laughs) I'm glad you think so. I think so. (laughs) So at the end of that, one of our segments was a horrible movie. I bet Mark's seen it. Yes, and this horrible movie... Is called Hysteria. Hysteria. Did you watch it? No. It it has Patrick Magoon. I think you should. Oh. I think we need a... like homework. We need a report out from Mark for next week's remix of what Hysteria is actually like. Well, let me see here. The other episode that we're doing is next week's episode is... Oh, there's like two bad season movies. Season one, episode six, The Bride of Christ, Sister Tumble Dryer. Yes. Uh, I think there's, there's two bad there movies two in that bad one. movies in that one, The Maze and Crosstalk. I promise viewers to watch all three of these hideous movies. Oh, yeah. And report back next week on how bad they were. So tune into next week's remix to hear Mark's report if he survives watching three bad movies. <laughs> In a week? Oh, it's no problem. No problem. You do that every week. Do that every week. <laughs> All right. Thanks Until for then. listening to the remix, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs.